Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series where we interview pastors and professors from across the Living Faith Fellowship on a range of topics that include ministry and life and theology. And I have the unique privilege of interviewing my dear friend this week, Pastor Mark Trotter. Uh, Pastor, welcome. Thank you, man. Thanks I'm always glad us. to be with with Jesus. <laughs> you, I, I look across the table. I feel like I'm talking to Jesus, man. Well, <laughs> but give it, it, no, give, give it a second. <laughs> You'll realize pretty quickly. No, I'm always uh, privileged to be here, and uh, I count it a privilege to be your friend. Well, man, that means that means a ton to me. And so, by way of introduction, I know that some of the people that are going to be watching maybe aren't familiar with you, um, and so I just want to do a brief introduction. Pastor Mark uh, was a head pastor at, at First Baptist of New Philadelphia, Ohio. It's always a huge mouthful. I know that's man. the longest <laughs> name ever. Uh, but you were there for twenty years, leading that church. And in fact, in previous episodes, we kind of talk about your history of coming into that ministry and, mm-hmm. and how God used that. But now, Pastor Mark is with uh, Pastor Billy Wood in Douglasville, Georgia, where they um, have a ministry, a discipleship ministry there. And uh, Pastor Mark's big work in life is ministering to pastors in Malawi, mm-hmm. in Malawi, Africa. And so that's all a really big deal. Now, what most people uh, will not also know is the fact that you are kind of the the the, the main keynote speaker at a, at a lot of the conferences we do here in the Living Faith Fellowship, and so you've kind of got a reputation for being uh, a a preaching pastor. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but you know it's true. You know it's true. We we love us some Mark Trotter, and uh, we're really thankful for for your investment in us. But you've mm-hmm. become known as a as a preacher. And, uh, and your teaching is impactful and, and provocative, and, it, and it's always very inspirational, and, and people look to you uh, in terms of preaching and teaching. And so that's why uh, today we're going to be talking about homiletics, and we're going to be discussing the art and the craft and the gifting of preaching. And, uh, and I've got a bunch of questions for Pastor Mark about how he became, how he became a preacher. Yeah, man. Okay. Is that all right with you? Oh, man. I, yeah. And I... I I hope that there's somebody out there that's intimidated to death of the thought of it because that was me, man. Right. For real. I mean, I felt like that's what God wanted me to do, but man, I was intimidated to death about the thing. And so, you know, f- for me to be the one talking about this now, if, oh man, if I could go back and see this happening, I'd be like, oh my goodness, something is going to have to drastically change in my life before you could become this guy well or thought of as that guy i still don't see myself as that guy but well okay so with that with that said let's talk about how how it began like how you got to a place where you were preaching because like what you said i mean there's so many young men who feel maybe the call on their life to be a pastor or a preacher uh, or a teaching elder in their church um, and being able to communicate that's not an easy thing to do there's a lot of fear wrapped up in that and so I want to ask you, this is my first question, which came first, the need to preach or the desire to preach? For me, it was the need. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the, the thought of it, as I said, freaked me out. Uh, I, I remember um, 
you know, in a previous episode, and obviously, I don't think people are going to remember this, but my parents... They should go back and listen to it <laughs> if they haven't. So I was saved at almost 16, mm-hmm. uh, growing like crazy. Um, my parents moved my senior year, and I moved in with the youth pastor and his family. Mm. And so that was, and I, I, I say this anytime I'm ever reflecting, that was the biggest thing that God could have possibly done in my life. That was so influential, godly, wise man. And uh, he was the youth pastor, but our church owned a youth camp as well. Mm. And so he was uh, the head of that and the youth and blah, blah, blah. And so he had to make multiple trips four hours away to this camp. And so we would be driving in the middle of the night, and I was wrestling with this, uh, am I being called mm. to the ministry type thing? And, um, and so I, I, you know, I, I almost hated to bring it up because I was like, if I, if I admit that I'm called, then I'm going to end up having to do that preaching thing, and I, <laughs> that ain't me, man. Right. And so uh, I remember talking with him about, you know, how do you know if you're called? And he he said very wise words to me. It freed me up. He said, you know what? Do anything you can do other than that. Mm. And I'm like, man, I wasn't expecting you to say that. Why, why would you tell me that? And he says, well, if you can do anything else, then you're not called. Right. And so uh, I, I thought, okay, that's, that's good. So I'll, I'll, I'll start pursuing something else. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. I just absolutely couldn't. I couldn't imagine myself preaching, but I couldn't imagine not spending the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So th- it was it was more the need than the actual oh, I got to get up in front of people and yell. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So do you remember the first time you preached? Absolutely. Yeah. What was it what was that like? Um so you know here we are in Kansas City and you probably know Fort Leonard Wood, uh the army base. Uh I I mean if I had Google Maps I bet I could find it. <laughs> But I don't, I don't No, For real. I just thought that was uh common knowledge. Yeah. There's several forts around here. I, I, I get them all mixed up. Okay. So I, I'm in, I'm in Bible college mm-hmm. and uh, th- our, the church that I went to had a ministry uh, once a month where we would go down to Fort Leonard Wood. They gave us access and we could spend all afternoon on a, a Sunday afternoon inviting these guys to this thing in one of the gyms, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we would bring, oh, at least 200 of us. I mean, there were multiple buses uh, coming. And uh, so we would blitz that thing. And, you know, they would typically bring in somebody like a George Grace or some kind of a thing like that. And... So, you know, and it was fun. It was awesome. It was always one of those things where a bunch of soldiers got saved at these things. Cool. And uh, so the the guy that was the leader of the, the ministry said, hey, you know, Mark, you're going to be a preacher someday. Why don't you preach the next time? <laughs> and I'm freaking out of my mind. It was the 
holiest month I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Man, like, you're just, oh, God, what in the world? So it, it wasn't like I had to preach forever. It was about uh, probably 12 minutes, and mm-hmm. it was straight, you know, gospel. Uh, I still remember the the the, the passage, and uh, and and that went okay, uh, you know. And and there were at least a lot of professions that were made. The gospel is the gospel. Mm-hmm. The power is in mm-hmm. the gospel. Yes. Um, and so that was my first shot at preaching. And uh, so then uh, I started in the ministry in Huntington Beach, California, mm-hmm. and I was working with singles. And so now every week I'm speaking to them. And now, now you went to Bible college. Yeah. Right. So Bible college is somewhere in between those two events. Well, uh, the Fort Leonard Wood at the Army base was when I was in college. Okay. Uh, and, and that's why the, the, there were so many students. Kids Students that, that went, yes, okay. it was a big church, and most of the kids went to that uh, that church. Okay, and so, uh, so yes, so I was being trained at that time. But even when I in homiletics class, oh my word, man! Did it not I, did it not prepare you the way that? Uh, you know, the, the guy that did it uh, that taught that class was was pretty good because you know back. When I in the seventies, a lot of preaching was yelling, mm. you know, uh, and and oh, this guy can preach, man, and that's because let me tell you something, <laughs> you know, and all that. I, I hope I didn't blast your ears there, <laughs> but you know, and so this guy was saying hey, that's not preaching, mm. uh, you know, and so what he taught us to do. And I didn't even know what he meant, but what he was saying is, yeah, you want to make your point, but explode on your consonants, and that is what causes you to have interest in your voice and you know mm. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I didn't know what he meant, but sometimes when I hear me, I'm like, that dude explodes on his consonants. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but I, I get to to California, yeah, yeah. and um, so d- teaching singles, and oh wow, uh, I I needed hermeneutics <laughs> to get with my homiletics. But I I found out early on that what makes a good message is whether or not you're funny. Mm. So you were a joke teller. Well, I tried to. You throw it in there because I, I found out in those early days that if I'm funny, everybody thought it was awesome. I couldn't, mm. you know, and and so I'm I am being facetious about the it being good because it's funny. But that was, you know, in terms of a communicator, I was if I was funny, it was good, and if not, then it wasn't, and it was a whack. Uh, world. <laughs> Did you feel like something was missing though? Like as you preach, I mean, obviously you're like, well, they seemed attentive. I told the right jokes. Everybody <laughs> seems to be pretty happy about that. Did you ever feel like along the way that there was a, there was a component that was missing in your. Oh, for sure. I, I've, I felt so inept 
And and so I, it wasn't like I was trying to maximize the whole joke thing. I, I did want to communicate the right. truth. It was just I, I had not learned, uh, and I hate to call preaching the art, you know, but I, 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 you mentioned it. We all use those those terms. And again, I don't think I've mastered the art of preaching, but I can tell you I definitely hadn't mastered it back then. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember in one of the early uh, early Wednesday nights out there, the pastor said, Mark, why don't you uh, preach next Wednesday night? And I'm Yikes, I'm going to be in the big room. Yeah. And oh, With I. With the ch- old folks. Yes, I choked big time. I mean, choked. And so the pastor had an assistant uh, that went to Talbot Seminary out in, in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And he was, I'm not exaggerating when I am telling you. This is the way that he talked. Mm. And Bruce, that was hideous, you know. And so I I bombed on that Wednesday night and the next morning in the office, this dude comes up to me and he says, You know, if you would like some help with your preaching skills, I would be glad to to meet with you. And I knew I needed help, but I didn't want that help, man. Right, yeah. And so I said, uh, okay, I'll think on that. And I <laughs> I did. I thought, that ain't ever going to happen. Right. But it was embarrassing to Dang. me because I was like, oh, man. So you felt defeated it, a little bit. Oh, uh, thrashed. <laughs> so, so, so after that, I mean – did you carry that with you for a long time? Did that fear stay with you? Oh, yeah. And then and then what were some of the pivotal moments to help see that change? How did God work that out in you where you were learning how to not just the craft of preaching, but but how did you learn to put your faith in him as you as you preach? Yeah. So I uh somebody turned me on to an expositor. Mm-hmm. Um and I was coming from a a, a group of churches where I had never heard anybody preach an expositional message in my life. Hmm. Every, it was always like a topical message is what you're... Yes, and in, you know, three points, gripping story at the end, mm-hmm. give the invitation. Uh, and that's what I thought preaching was, you mm-hmm. know. Somebody turned me on to an expositor, and I heard it, and I would... I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm, it clicked. Yes, and so... I, uh, I I started listening to this guy and, uh, you know, uh, kind of learning some skills in preaching, but as much content as delivery. Yeah. And as the content was there, the, the delivery was beginning to get better because I was excited about yeah. it. I wasn't, I could just never get excited about developing a message that was three points in a poem, you know? Right, yeah. And uh, so, you know, but still did not, uh, I hadn't mastered it, but, you know, let's move forward in time. I came to a point in, in my ministry. In fact, I was the senior pastor in New Philadelphia, uh, still feeling inept, 
Um, and I became a what we would call a Bible believer. Mm-hmm. I believed that the book I held in my hand was the Word of God, and that First Thessalonians two thirteen thing, where Paul is thanking God for those Thessalonians that when when they heard the word, they heard it as it is in truth, the word of God, not the words of men, which effectually worketh mm. in you. Mm-hmm. Because of that belief in the book, it there's an effectual work that begins to take place, and I, I I'm I'm as serious as I can possibly be, my preaching changed when the authority was outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have even understood what that was when I was back in Huntington Beach days or anywhere else along the way. But what I was really wrestling with is, who in the world am I to tell you anything? Yeah, and right. I was a very young man at the time. and just, But when the authority was the word of God, the passion was there. And that this is, we've got to get this in our life. Yeah. And, and so that was... Uh, the 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 style, uh, whatever that is, it was not like I want to I want to work on this. Sure, the style was just uh, a matter of getting behind the authority of right. the Word of God. Yeah, and being the guy that was tasked with spitting it. Yeah. So I mean, I'm thinking in my mind. The difference between kind of dragging the Bible along in your message versus you going behind it, letting it stand guard and, and go before you um, is, the, is the illustration in my mind. I'm imagining the shift taking place. Yes. It, it, the, me going to tell you what the Bible says as opposed to the Bible says this yeah. to all of us. Yeah. And man, this is what we have got to get in our lives. And if we would just get this in our lives, you know, know, and uh, so I didn't have to yell about it or anything like that. But I, I, the the word that I use is passion, you know, with our ministry in uh, Malawi, it's called the Passion Center for Pastors. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is... See those guys get passionate about God and his word and get the authority outside of themselves Mm -hmm. and just proclaim the truth. So obviously the passion came as you realized what was supposed to take place. You were supposed to make the divine thing first and foremost. The words of God have to be elevated. I have to to be made low. So that's a concept, Sep, that you, you got, but then you had to... You had to kind of transform your approach to studying the Bible, I assume, to make that reality in the pulpit. When you stepped into the pulpit, okay, how do I practically get God's words to the forefront? I know that's what I want. That's what I desire. How'd that transformation begin to take place? Yeah, I I am not the smartest guy in the world. I'm uh, In real life, I'm somewhat spontaneous, but taking... Uh, 20, 25 hours of 
working on a passage to preach it and then just coming out and just, you know, here yeah. it comes. I, I found out pretty early on, even as a Bible believer, that that's not me. I am not going to be able to cause this to make the sense that it makes in my mind in getting it to you if I'm just going to uh, try to remember all that. Right. And and so it, then, you know, so I would, I would study uh, crazily uh, cross-referencing and Oh, you you should see my desk. I'm a old school handwriter guy. Mm. I mean, for a message, I will have countless pages, and a lot of it ain't ain't gonna make the cut. Right. But it's all just part of the process of getting it into my head and and all of that. And so then it becomes okay. So here's all this truth. And so now, are there are there handles? that we can help people to get their minds wrapped around that passage. And so I, I found with me that I needed to get to that place in my study to where, I okay, I know what this passage is. I mm-hmm. know where it wants to go. And I've outlined it. Those are the handles that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And so what I do is I I might be sitting my sorry self in in my office, but I am in that room when where I'm going to be preaching on Sunday. I mean, I I am as good as there in my mind, and in my mind I'm walking up, and I I'm talking to that audience, and as I'm talking to them, I just start preaching on paper. Mm. And I no, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. So, yeah. And uh, okay, yeah. This is the way that I want to say that. Mm. And so, I that's interesting. I've never, uh, I because I ask questions like this with pastors all the time. Like, what is your preparation like? I've never heard anyone. Say, I've heard people say, oh, I, "I preach it in the mirror." You know, once I've got my notes done, I've never heard anybody say that they visualize their way through their message in order to. That's the that's the filtering process for what makes the cut and what doesn't. Yes. Huh. Yes. And so I, I'm I'm there and I am preaching mm. on paper, and so that I I, I manuscript the whole thing yeah you've um, got everything that's in your message you're saying you you include it it's written out it is page yes. by page yeah and so because of the process and the hours of all of it and then getting myself in that room and then getting it down I, and I'll, I'll i'll go over that afterwards i'll tweak this and that and but i go over that and so when i get to the room um, I, I just, my style is, I don't want it to sound like I'm reading because when I prepared it, I wasn't reading, right. I was preaching. Right. And so I try to get it in my mind the way that I felt like the Lord wanted me to get it in my mind. And that's what I, 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 I probably don't veer 2% off of anything that well uh that's being said okay so i have a few questions because you said several things that are that are interesting to me so the first thing 
I'm thinking about one of the things that I've noticed is that when you come to town, now we just got back from all church retreat and Mark was the guest speaker at our all church retreat. We do it every summer and Mark um, preached four messages. And one of the things that I'd noticed, uh, I've noticed this about you in other years is that you need times in the afternoon uh, away from everybody uh, and you stay in your hotel room. Um, and based on, based on um, that time, what's what's happening there is that the is that where you're visualizing again or are you what are you doing in your lair in your laboratory <laughs> when you're gone for four or five hours in the afternoon um getting into the zone what does that time look like well it is a a, a time where i am uh trying to present to the lord in all genuineness that without him i can do nothing and mm. I I try to talk to him about, you know, I, I know I've worked hard and I've prepared what I felt like you wanted me to say, but wow, if if the Spirit of God doesn't take this to the hearts of people, mm. then it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. Mm. And uh, so that's, that's part of it. Yeah. And... Um, I, I I like where I stay at All Church Retreat because I I preach it in in that room mm. and uh, so so you're preaching and and to yourself in that mirror walking around in the room pacing, I can't do the mirror thing man I you don't I, want to look at yourself no and I can't hardly stand to watch me on I video I to- either I totally like, get it I can't stand idiot. yeah I can't stand that either. <laughs> But okay, so what you're saying though is a lot of it has to do with just bringing it before the Lord in, in prayer. But I'm thinking about like a young man who's learning how to how to preach, and he's you know maybe anxious or fearful um, going into that thing, and and he's wanting the same thing that you're describing. He wants to be completely yielded to the Lord, and he wants to be submitted to God, and he wants that message to be used. How important is that season of prayer to finding peace? And then what and then what does it look like? I mean, how do you know when you've met with the Lord and you're ready to go? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I'll I, I know our time is getting close, and so I'll try to answer it succinctly. But the way that it works for me, and, and of course you're interviewing me. And right. so but the way that it works for me is in that whole process of how I put the message together, the studying, and then now we're coming to the, I'm going to preach it on paper. Mm-hmm. The, the, the prayer is, uh, it's all the way through the study, but especially now as we're getting it to an on, on paper, because I, I don't want to get to the end of the message and, you know, a pre- prepared uh, the message and then say, so God bless the fruit of my labors. Mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah, I the dependence is there because it's as real to me when I am putting that on paper as if I am in that room. Yeah. And so uh, the dependence is all throughout this entire process, process. From the beginning of studying, entering into study, got to have to hear from you. I have to know what your word says. Like it's, it 
permeates everything that you're doing. Right. And then, you know, you were asking about like at camp, you know, the afternoons and getting away. At that point, it's not like, oh, God, please. (laughs) You know, it's like, Lord, I've been dependent on you through this whole thing. And yet now I know without Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. I can do nothing. It's not about me. It's about your word. And so help me to get my sorry self out of the way so that what i what you've given me is what actually right. gets communicated yeah and earlier at the retreat you know we were having a conversation about getting in the zone right so like when you get to the to the facility or wherever it is that you're preaching um i've noticed i've watched your countenance and I've, i like i like to watch to see how you prepare before you step up onto the stage I, you this probably really creeps you out that i'm saying this i apologize <laughs> But it interests me. I like to watch pastors because I, you know, I have things to learn. And so, but you taught, you told me that you, you have to get in the zone. What is that? What is that? I mean, obviously that's like a, that's like a term we use for football or sports or something. Yes. And and that's what I was thinking as you were saying So explain that to us a little bit. What does that mean? That part of the preparation, what does that mean? Yeah. So back in, you know, the football days, I was a, I was a linebacker and, uh, and in the locker room before that game, I am on that field it's just exactly like what i i'm on that field and that they've just handed that ball to that halfback and i am taking his head off in my mind sure in that room and that and when i get out on that field i i you know all the shenanigans and all mm -mm, i'm eye of the tiger Mm -hmm. and so you know in preparation for preaching like at all church retreat. So I I'm in, I'm in the locker room yeah, and getting in the zone. And so, you know, I can't wait to get up there. Mm-hmm. Worship helps me to, you know, breathe. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I'm at that point, I I've got target fixation. Yeah. That yeah. okay. This is it, this is it, man. God, you got to do your thing. One of the things I've also noticed is the precision of your PowerPoint and your um and your handout. Like that's such a big deal um to get participation from the audience. You re- you rely on those quite heavily to be accurate even to the point where like if there's a slide missing you're kind of you know, it yeah, gets in the way of the zone. Almost get in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think it's really interesting. Does is the PowerPoint and the handout also part of the filtering process? When you're putting that together, how how crucial are those elements to your preparation process? And I I hope this is not in any way, you know, pride in all of this. It's you know, by the time that message is is put together and mm-hmm. i have, if i feel like if it's from the lord people need to be carrying away some things with them mm-hmm. okay so i've already preached it on paper and so what what happens then is i you know i'm just work, i've got the outline but now i want to the things i'm saying i want people to be able to take that back because i want them to be able to reflect on the message yeah. And so I I make the PowerPoint, uh, you know, or prepare for it to be made because I'm old. Um, you get help. Is what you're saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm the one that sure. is 
writing yet again all of this so that those yeah. match and and so the with doing that i am uh pretty much locked in on this is what's going to get said because yeah. you know it, the whole powerpoint has been built off of what i've already preached yeah. on paper right 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 and so that's that's how that little thing happens. You know, other you know what? There would be guys that are listening to this, and they go, "That would drive me insane. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do that." And for me, that is how I get in a zone. Sure, sure. Is I I've already preached it, mm-hmm. and so now let now I get to do it with people that I love. Yeah, that's cool. So one of the things that I'm curious about is because I think there's a lot of things that are involved just in terms of developing a style. It's everything about personality, obviously. How did, how has God built Mark Trotter in terms of his, his personality and, and his character that affects greatly how you conduct yourself within the pulpit. But one of the things I think about is because everything is so scripted in terms of your outline, is it difficult? Do you find it ever difficult to, um, to be yourself if you know that you've got a very strict agenda? Like, um, how do you let yourself be a little bit spontaneous and loose in the pulpit knowing that you've you're, everything is scripted so tightly? Well, that's, that would Because that would be really hard for me personally. Yeah, and, and I, I get yeah. that my style, uh, you know, if you've got it, your style, do that. Yeah, right. But this is this is the way that it works for me. Sure, yeah, and I want to hear about that. I'm probably not going to change it at this stage of the game. <laughs> But the two percent, you know, I was talking about. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. The two percent is the stuff that just pops in my head that mm-hmm. would be Mark Trotterisms. Yeah, you know, just stupid little things that pop in. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I give some room to that. But uh, you know, and, and the, the weird thing is, I I feel like in real life I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do much storytelling in messages, uh, certainly not personal illustrations. And I think they're wonderful. I think they can, but, you know, I grew up on the messages of all of these personal illustrations. And I finally just got to the point where I wanted to say, who cares? (laughs) Because all the illustrations always make mm-hmm. the pastor look good, you know, and, and so. I, and then I, when you hear the the same illustration twice, it's yeah. like that's 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 the worst. You know, you've gotten to the end of your of a pastor's repertoire when he's repeating that same illustration week after week after week. Yes, I, I, I sat under those pastors before. Yes, me too. <laughs> so. Uh, so I think there is a little bit that gets lost in mm-hmm. in there. Now I do I don't write out my stories. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's times I'll use a story. I can get my personality sure. in sure. there and all of that. But because when I prepare, I'm in that room, and so I'm I'm being spontaneous in my mind as I'm communicating that. And so a lot of the even the personality part gets reflected. Even though it's scripted, mm. but it's it's almost like um, I, I, it's like preaching a message and then somebody transcribing it and say, "Hey, do that again." Yeah. Okay. And yeah. 
you know, and that makes sense. Yeah. And, and so since I, I planned it and it was me and my words, it, I, I can remember those pretty well. What are the things that still hang you up in the process? What, like, what are the things that are always difficult? I think maybe it's different for every pastor who has to preach, but is there a certain hurdle that you know this is this is my hurdle every time I study, every time I prepare, every time I I step into the pulpit? There's going to be this thing that is always difficult for me, and I know that that's the thing in particular I have to give to the Lord. Is there anything like that for you? Yes, <laughs> and it's a a five letter word: clock. <laughs> mm. Time is. Uh, my nemesis mm. because I, I I do prepare a lot. And so there's so many things that, you know, you can't do because of yeah. time's sake. And, oh, man, I feel like, ooh, man, I wish I could say that, but I just don't have yeah. time. And so I, I, I end up most of the time, even the finished product, is it's it's too long mm. for uh, a twenty first century world. <laughs> so then, how, so then, what do you do? I mean, you just have to cut back. I mean, I know that. So here's here's one of the questions. I guess what I mean. No, you just go long. You just keep going <laughs> until the until the the pastor that's invited you's eyes start rolling. Right, that's when you know it's actually time to step in. Well, because here's the deal: as as a young man, this was true for me. I think it's true for a lot of young men who are learning how to preach. You want to include everything in that message. God gave it to you and it's, you know, it belongs to you. You you think everything he showed you is precious gold, sure. but, but you can't, yeah. you can't possibly give all that. Right. Um, so that leads you to, to have to make the hard decisions about what, what are, you mentioned earlier, the things with the handles on them, um, making the hard decisions about what actually gets included. So what's your advice for young guys who are learning to preach? How do they decide? I mean, what, what does that look like? Yeah, well, usually as a young man, you are wrestling with what am I going to say? And then as an old dude, then it's what am I not going to say? Mm-hmm. And so they may uh, they, they may end up with just enough material to get them through the, the, the time frame. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, in my thinking, it's... Uh, and, and I ran into this, uh, especially this year at All Church Retreat, because of the COVID. The time frame was was shorter this mm-hmm. year, uh, and uh, I was so stoked about the material that we were covering. And wow, man, I, you know, and in that preparation deal. I had prepared to say so much, and I just found that there's no way in the world that's going to end up in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm cutting and pasting paragraphs, you know, out of this whole thing. Yeah. And in it, it's difficult, you know, but but the way that I prepare, then I can I can look back over that point and go, okay, so did I give enough for it to become that handle? To right. where somebody can walk yeah. away with this and apply it. Yeah, yeah. So here is, uh, I mean, there's so much we can talk about about concerning this. In fact, um, this I might as well plug the class here. Pastor Mark Trotter is teaching the homiletics course in LFBI this semester, and so you'll actually be teaching people how to to preach and to teach. And 
and you'll go in depth on on all of this stuff. Oh yeah, um, yeah, we, we, and it will be uh, not just like this. We're yeah, just not, having fun. We're just having and, a conversation. Yes, but there's but if we, my point is, if people want to learn from you about this topic. We're going to provide that opportunity. Yes, and yeah. there is a very strategic process yes. uh, of study and outlining, blah 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 blah, and sign up for the class and yeah. hear the rest. Sure. <laughs> so here's the question: I want to I want to leave you with um, if if you had a young man here right now, and uh, and he knew that he was that he was going to have to preach a message. Maybe maybe he's been he's got the date in mind and someone's invited him. What's the one piece of advice that you would give him in terms of his of his preparation? Let's just pretend he's competent enough to put together an outline and and he's been to enough Bible studies where he knows how to handle God's word a little bit. And he but but this is new to him. Um, what's the what's the one thing that you think that that young man needs to know? Or old man, even I guess so. Some old men. There's some older guys that are yeah, preaching man. for their first time, and yeah, I, I would I, I would say that study that passage to the point to where it is part of the fabric of your life, and yet it's the part of the fabric of your thinking. And um, when you go to put this into some sort of an outline make sure that you are the points of your message have actually come from the text mm-hmm. you you don't make an outline and then go to the bible you so get this passage that it begins to fall into its own outline mm-hmm. and the outline is simply coming right from the text yeah and that is preaching the word mm-hmm. not from the word about the word right holding a bible in your hand but preaching the word so that what you're communicating is actually i can go to the bible and see that point in that passage mm. it's good stuff man thank Thanks. you yeah. yeah thank you man this is fun this is so fun and um I'm, I'm grateful that that you took the time, especially after all church retreat, to come oh, and be with us God, and hang is, out and talk about this. This is awesome. I love it. Um, and I'm also thankful for the fact that you're teaching the homiletics course. I think that's going to be great for a lot of, of people who are wanting to learn how to teach and preach. And so we do want to invite you, the listener, uh, to sign up for homiletics uh, this fall, fall 2020 in LFBI. Join Mark uh, for 16 weeks as he talks about how to take your hermeneutic uh, produce an outline, uh, let the word of God speak and, and and draw out the points that God wants to make and then how to prepare your heart, your mind uh, to, to actually preach that content. It's a very exciting class. And and for anybody who wants to learn to teach, even, not even just men who are de- uh, devoted to the idea of being a pastor, anyone who's teaching God's word can, can glean something from this course, whether it's a a Sunday school class and our children's ministry. There's things to be learned. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that. And uh, we want to invite you to come back next week and join us for another episode of The Postscript. We're on every Monday. And uh, we would love it if you would go and subscribe at your favorite podcast uh, platform uh, or subscribe at the YouTube channel that you can find online as well. 
Uh, visit lfbi.org if you've got more uh, questions about, about Living Faith Bible Institute courses, discipleship, anything like that. We love you. We hope today was edifying, and we ask that you join us again next week. See ya. My name is Brian Bustos, and I am a Living Faith Bible Institute student. And I'm also a husband. And I'm also a father. In this stage in my life, things are definitely chaotic. I've been called by God to serve in my local church here in Kansas City. And in any given week, that may look like leading worship, or preparing for a Bible study, or even teaching a class. And this is where Living Faith Bible Institute is so important to my life. First, it gives me focus, but two, it's flexible. And so if I can't make that Saturday morning class, I can still catch it online, whether it's remotely or even sometime later in the week, like during my lunch break. I guess in essence, I don't have to put my life on pause. Enroll for classes at lfbi.org. If you are interested in donating to LFBI to support future pastors and leaders, please visit lfbi.org slash donate.